Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. For those of you who haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we are in the middle of a series on the parables. We, our first lesson was basically an introduction to the parables, and we looked at some practical uh, advice and um, definitions and things that would help us to understand maybe a little better and, and appreciate a little bit more the parables of our Lord. And then last week we looked at the parable of the sower, which is recorded also in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, in that parable, uh, we looked at the gospel that was, that was being spread and how the gospel was spread to all kinds of people. Remember, there were four types of soils that our Lord talks about in that parable. But one thing that was interesting in his explanation, he, tell, he tells how each one heard the gospel message. And so what we can draw out of that is the gospel message goes out. And it goes out to all the world. And all who have heard it have a different reaction to it. And it depends on their own condition. It depends on their own condition when they hear the gospel, how it is that they respond to it. And the outcomes will be different. But the big message is the gospel goes out. So in this lesson, we're going to look at the next parable that's recorded in Matthew 13, and that's the parable of the tares among the wheat. This one is only recorded by Matthew. And like the parable of the sower, Jesus gives his disciples an explanation, which is wonderful for us. Certainly wonderful for the disciples as they're learning to understand these parables that our Lord is speaking. But wonderful for us that we have these recorded and they serve to help us in our understanding of these parables. So let's read here the parable about the tares among the wheat, and then we'll look closely at Jesus' explanation and look at the detail that he brings out from this parable. So if you're there in Matthew chapter 13, beginning of verse 24, it says, He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares, among, uh, tares also among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprang up and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. And the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you are gathering up the tares, you may also root up the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. As we said, we have the wonderful benefit of the disciples coming to Jesus in verse 36 and asking him for an explanation. So verse 36, Then he left the multitude and went, and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares and of the field. 
So we have this wonderful explanation that Jesus gives us. So we'll spend some time here looking at each of the elements in detail that are brought out in this parable. First we see the first element is the sower himself. In verse 37, and he, and he answered and said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The first thing we, we see in the parable is the sower. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Who is the son of man? We can look at the prophet Daniel and, and identify this person very clearly. The son of man, the one who would be given a kingdom. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13, it says, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So the, the sower, of course, is Jesus Christ himself. And as we go through this parable, we'll understand a little bit more in, in detail why that is. The next thing identified is the field. In verse 38, Jesus says, the field is the world. Jesus came in the, into the world to sow the seed of the kingdom, making salvation available to all men. John 1 and verse 9 says, There was a true light which coming into the world enlightens all men. Like the parable of the sower, the gospel is to go out to everyone. All kinds of people. When we look here and see that the, the field is the world and the son of man is the sower, we see that Jesus came into the world to spread the gospel. Into all the world. The next thing I identified is the good seed. Verse 38 says, the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. A little bit different than the parable of the sower, exactly what the seed is, but closely related. These are those who have accepted the word of God and become Jesus' disciples. These are the sons of the kingdom. These are like the good ground people in the parable of the sower. Like I said, a little bit different, but we see the similarities. This is the wheat in the field that was sown from the good seed. These are the sons of the kingdom, the good seed. It will grow up to be that wheat. Next element is the tares. Verse 38, the tares are the, son, the sons of the evil one probably know what a tear is, but basically a tear is a weed. The definition says a tear is an injurious weed that resembles wheat when young. Injurious there, that's a word we don't come across that often, it means to injure. Injure is the root word there. An injurious weed that resembles wheat when young. So we see in this, remember what we talked about in uh, our opening discussion about the parables, often nature is used as, as uh, the story that carries you through, the earthly story with the heavenly meaning, often displayed in things of nature. So we see here Jesus using something that they would know, 
they would know about tares. They would know what a nuisance it was to the farmers to have to deal with these because they look like wheat when they're young. The tares. These are those who are stumbling blocks and those who would commit lawlessness. We see that down in verse 41. And notice about this, that they're growing alongside the wheat. It's an important part, an important detail about this parable. That they are growing alongside the wheat, but they're not disciples of Jesus. How do we know that? Well, like we said from verse 41, the Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. While they're growing alongside those in the kingdom, they're not part of it. And their end is a terrible fate, which we'll get to in just a moment. They're growing alongside the wheat, but they are not disciples of Jesus. These are the sons of the devil, who is identified in the next section. Verse 39, the enemy. Who is the enemy? Jesus says, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. It's the devil's mission to thwart the efforts made in God's kingdom. That is his mission. He tried to tempt Jesus himself, but Jesus withstood him. So now he secretly sows in these tares in the kingdom, hoping to affect the harvest. And I like what it says back over in the, in the parable. But while men were sleeping... His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. Does that sound cowardly to you? It sounds cowardly to me. While men were sleeping, he, he snuck in, sowed the tares, and then went away. The devil's sneaky. Be on guard. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. He tried to tempt Jesus, as we said, but he withstood him. So now he secretly sows in these tares, hoping to affect the harvest, which is the next element in verse 39. Jesus says the harvest is the end of the age. That's the end of this age, the days that we are living in now. And that's an important detail for us to understand. Colossians 1 and verse 13 says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Past tense. Rescued and delivered. It's important to understand about living in the kingdom now. Because that affects when this harvest is coming. The timing of this har harvest coincides with the final judgment. 2 Thessalonians 1, beginning in the second part of verse 7, says, When the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That's the end of the age that Jesus is talking about. And these angels that he's talking about here, when the Lord appears with his angels in flaming fire, Dealing out retribution. The end of this age. And the angels that he's talking about are identified next in, in the explanation in verse 39. The reapers. 
Jesus says the reapers are angels. And they will separate the wicked from the righteous. You look down in verse 49 in Jesus' parable about the dragnet, we see another description that matches. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous. What we read there in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7, what we read here in Jesus' explanation, verse 39, and what we read in verse 49, all these things coalesce. All these things are talking about the same event, the end of the age, judgment. And these that are taken, it says, will be cast into a furnace of fire. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, verse 42. So this is the separation that takes place at the end, with the reapers being the angels carrying out the will of God. Jesus goes through and identifies each one of these elements in the parable. And it enriches us in our understanding of it. But what big lesson can we take away from the parable? What is the big meaning of the parable? One thing that we talked about, that it's important to look for the big meanings in parables. It doesn't mean that they all have one. But we have to be careful about assigning too much detail on our own to each element in these parables. Luckily for this one, we have Jesus explaining everything about it. So there, you could probably come up with a couple of different things. And the way I approached this was looking at the big meaning of the parable and then making application from that meaning. So what I get from this parable is that among the kingdom, that is, among Lord's, the Lord's people, are those who might look like disciples. But on the day of judgment, they will be separated from the true disciples. So while they might look like disciples to you and me, they aren't. They're hiding, tears among the wheat. So what are some applications in that we can draw out of that? Knowing that amongst the Lord's kingdom, there are those who aren't disciples of the Lord. One thing I think that we can appreciate about this is that we as the wheat are given time to grow and to mature. Verse 29, when the slaves come and ask the landowner if he wanted them to, to weed out the tares, remember what the landowner said? He says, no, lest while you're gathering up the tares, you might root up the wheat with them. We see that as God being long-suffering with us, God giving us time to grow and to mature not wanting to rip us out by the roots while we're still in this world. 2 Peter 3, verse 14 and 15 says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And notice what it says, verse 15, And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. The time we're given here on earth is that time we're growing in that wheat field. Time to grow time to mature, hopefully that time to separate ourselves from the tares when that day of final judgment comes. So we should make the most of our time. We should make the most of the time while we're growing in the field. 
because the harvest might come at any time. We don't know when that day is. So let's make the most of it. And understand that as we are growing as wheat, that there are tares growing right along beside us. Another application that we can glean from this is this parable does not dismiss church discipline. It would be easy to let that happen. It would be easy to, to look at this and say, well, we're not going to do anything. God's going to take care of that at the end. Remember something that we said in our introduction to the parables, that they should not be used contrary to other doctrine. They can't be used to override other doctrine. And we clearly see Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 5 that sinful behavior must not be tolerated and that the old leaven must be cleaned out. Remember that from 1 Corinthians 5 about um, the man who had his father's wife and how Paul railed against them for that, told them to clean out the old leaven. We have a responsibility to keep the church pure. Mainly that falls to the elders. The elders of a church have that responsibility to watch over the flock. In the absence of elders, the men of the congregation must step up. And together we must fight this fight of keeping the church pure. So this parable does not contradict that. This parable is about the final judgment. Not our responsibility towards each other, and, and nor our responsibility to the church. So let's not make that mistake. Along those lines, the final application that we can make out of this is that we need to let God be the ultimate judge. In this parable, we see the separation between the wicked and the righteous. We see the punishment for the wicked in verse 42. We'll cast them into the furnace of fire where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a terrible fate that those are headed for to be thrown into that fire. But we also see the reward for the righteous. In verse 43, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Understand that this parable is pointing towards the final judgment. We've made that point very clear. The timing, who will be there to be the judge, the angels that, were car that carry forth God's will. So let's leave room for that. Understanding that God is that ultimate judge. Doesn't dismiss us from church discipline. Doesn't dismiss us from our responsibility to each other, to help each other along the way. But let's not make that mistake. Jesus says at the end of his explanation in verse 43, He who has ears, let him hear. I love that. We skip over that sometimes. We read past it sometimes. In our series on uh, the churches in Asia, the end of each one of those messages that Jesus gives to those churches, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I love that call. I love that exclamation point. He who has ears, let him hear. As we read through these parables and see the words of our Lord. You know, it's one thing uh, for me or for someone else to stand up here and to 
present a lesson from God's Word, and I do my very best to give them uh, as accurate of a message as I can. And I try to let the Bible speak, not me. I try to point you to Scripture. But it's quite another thing to hear the words of our Lord straight from his mouth. To have these words here that we can pick up and read. Your words are probably in red. Many Bibles have our Lord's direct quotes in red. So when I read verse 43, Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. I love that. So let's make sure that, we're, that we heed this lesson that Jesus teaches and all the other ones that we'll look at in the parables going forward. Let's tune our ears to what Jesus is saying. And let his words come shining through. I hope you've been exhorted by this tonight. Parables are wonderful. A wonderful thing to study. To look at these messages the earthly message with the spiritual meaning. I hope that we'll continue to grow in our appreciation of these. If you have needs tonight, if you have not become a child of God, then you're not in the kingdom. You're not in the kingdom that we've been talking about all night long. The kingdom of God. You can be equated with one of those tares, ones that are growing up alongside the wheat. But until you surrender in baptism, you cannot be a member of the kingdom. So if you have that need, we can take care of that tonight. If as a child of God you have stumbled and you need the prayers of the congregation, you can let that be known as well by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.